Blackhawks Insider is back. Welcome aboard. It's the official podcast of the Chicago Blackhawks presented by ChevyDrivesChicago.com. Drive with Captain Jonathan Taves drives. Remember, make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever podcast platform you use. Like our YouTube page as well. We've got a ton of content posted on the Blackhawks YouTube page. Welcome into the show. I'm Chris Fosters, joined by my co-host, Colby Cohen, who doesn't look as sunburned as I expected coming back from a long weekend in Tampa covering the Frozen Four. Did you get any time outside on the Riverwalk, bud, or what, what's up? Yeah, I did. Uh, I actually, my legs got roasted one day because we were, we must have been sitting outside having lunch and I didn't put any sunblock on and I, I didn't think a little bit about it. And then I got back to my room a little bit later and I took a really funny photo. I sent it to my wife just of like my, you know, my knees down or something and like the contrast between you know the short where the short ends and the, it's like really it was really bad luckily it was early in the week and I I got the hydration going and I kind of was able to dull it back a little bit but you know it's a work trip man most of the most of the time during the days were were kind of busy at the frozen four um you know, never, you know, I sat out at the pool with, with Cappy one day for like an hour, actually. Cappy was down there, Paul Cabanigri covering the Big Ten. Um, you all probably remember him last year doing doing some Hawks games. But yeah, I mean, the weather was beautiful, though, man. It was like 85 degrees. There was not a lot of humidity. Um, you know, we did spend, we, we tried to eat all of our, our meals outdoors as best as we could. Mm-hmm. Uh, tried to have lunch outdoors, you know, covered but but outdoors so um i mean the the i think the ncaa should have the frozen four in tampa every single year i've done five of them now and and that was hands down the best one well colby i'm glad you had some time with our mutual friend paul capanigri down in tampa listen that guy couldn't get a sunburn if he wanted to i don't have that problem in fact uh you know as someone who's also had plenty of leg sunburns in his day dude it's it's a tricky situation because you know the legs are a lot of real estate it takes a lot of sunscreen to cover those yeah (laughs) cover those bad boys up and you know sometimes you're thinking oh the sun's not going to hit my legs I don't really need to apply to the lower extremities and then of course uh you know the the sun in Florida burns a little bit hotter than it does up in the midwest so um, I, I, I feel for you on that. I really do. But I'm glad you're uh, you're you're all in, in good shape with your upper half. It's the most uh, important part. SBF 30. <laughs> it's a bit I could not I could not risk going on national TV looking, you know, looking like a lobster or looking like a tomato. So I yeah. was uh, I was pretty, pretty responsible about it. And now but now that the season's wrapping up, that's when, you know, tan in the skin becomes a. Uh, a very important battle in my household because my wife will look like a coffee bean the entire summer with no, not needing any sunblock or anything. She's just, you know, got that perfect skin gene and I'll be doing everything I can to keep up with her. So she can't come up to me too often and do the forearm check against <laughs> me and then make fun of me. So, <laughs> well, shout out to Alex. Uh, Blackhawks prospects, there were a lot of them in the NCAA tournament and even the Frozen Four. Of course, Quinnipiac wins the NCAA tournament. No Blackhawks prospects on the Quinnipiac roster, but 
were there any noteworthy performances from Blackhawks prospects that yeah. you saw? De- definitely. And I think that um, I thought Drew Camesso was, was awesome. Um, I, think, I think Rocket agrees with that for sure. Yeah, you know, the dogs. Uh, we made it almost an entire season without having the dogs getting involved in a podcast. So only fitting they waited till the end of the season to get involved. But in, in the national semifinal game, Drew Camesso stood on his head for BU, and uh, I think he showed why he's ready for the next level of hockey. I totally expect him to sign an entry-level contract with the Blackhawks. Um, you know, we're, we're filming this on, on the 10th, so whether it happens today, tomorrow, I'm not really sure, but I'm expecting it. But, you know, BU could have been down 7 nothing in the first period. I mean, that's just how well Drew Camesso played. Um, he kept the team on his back through that game, uh, he really did. He 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 stood up. He was their best player the last probably eight to twelve weeks of the season. Was phenomenal in the playoffs. Really encouraging too because that's when the games get low scoring and that's when it gets more important. Um, so I, I was really happy to see how Drew played. And then after the game, um, you know, I, I went back near the locker room and and I mean, seeing how upset he was. It, it actually speaks a lot to his character and how much he lived in the moment of being at BU. I see a lot of prospects and, and draft picks, especially the high draft picks, are they've got one foot in and one foot out the door when they're playing their, their last college games, and that just wasn't the case for Camesso um, because he was so committed to trying to win. And, and I think that that's a, that's, that's a big carrot for, for a player at that age right now because you just don't see it. Um, I thought Ryan Green was was okay. I thought that he he, I think what I liked about Ryan Green's game is that when when the offense wasn't there for him, which it wasn't the last couple of weeks, he found a way to still make an impact on the game. He was good defensively. Um, you know, he he's covering up for the D when they're being offensively aggressive. He's just a very smart hockey player, and you know he had 31 or 32 points in his first year in college hockey which i mean those are those are really high end numbers i bet you next year he gets 45 to 50 points and and he's a leader in the entire conference uh type of player like that's how how highly i think of ryan green's game and i think you know the blackhawks finding guys like that in the second round especially when we're loaded up with second round picks is is really important so Great event. Um, you know, I, I love doing the Frozen Four. Those games are so meaningful. I have so much fun with, with, with Butchie and Barry on the air. Um, you know, we really, we really just laugh a lot at each other, and we try to bring that on the air. You know, college is a little different than NHL. I think, you know, the fan bases are a little different. I think the expectations are always a little bit different. Uh, but it, it, was a, it was a really fun weekend. Um, I know you're dying, and you're, you're chomping at the bit. To, to, to talk about some viral moments. So I will cede the floor to you so you can, you know, gas me up a little bit. <laughs> I was going to say you became a viral sensation, not once, but twice <laughs> over the course of the frozen four in Tampa. I mean, I, I was really, I was really proud of you. I think the proudest I've ever been of you was when I saw you come up in a spit and chicklets post on Instagram. I mean, <laughs> that's when you know you made it, bro. So congratulations. Uh, I want to get into that a little bit later in the show, specifically when we get to our sellies and chirps. Um, and then I tell you what, our guest that we have coming up on the show, Derek King, uh, you, you got into it a little bit with your second viral moment with him when you ended up, you know, just 
letting your feelings do the talking and 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 you gave Quinnipiac's head coach a, a hug on, on he that asked game. me for a hug okay he asked me for a hug that's well, good to know now I know that I can ask you for a hug next time uh next time I see you and I know you'll reciprocate well <laughs> it's I, I look I I think the first spit and chicklets moment was obviously you know funny for everyone involved the guy behind me and I'll I'll hold off on it because I know you want to talk about it but the second moment was a really cool moment. And just to give people context who weren't watching, uh, the game ends in overtime. Um, they score 10 seconds in. And at that point, my job is to jump off the bench and, and interview the coach before he goes to the handshake, before he goes to the trophy, anything. So it is raw and real uh, emotion. And Rand Pecknold, uh, the head coach, he was the head coach of the U.S. junior team. Uh, I've known him for a while you know, we're not we're not so so close that 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 would have been something I would have expected. There are some coaches that I'm really close with that like would have made a little bit more sense. But um, I I ask him his first question and I sort of build the question up a little bit and and because they've come a long way. I mean, it's an awesome story them winning a national championship. And he looks at me. He had nothing to say, and he just couldn't find the words. The tears were coming out of his eyes. So he, he gave me a couple-word answer. He looked at me and said, sorry, I, I, I can't. I don't know what else to say. And then he looks at me and says, can I have a hug? <laughs> um, and, you know, it was such a great moment emotionally and a moment that I, I it actually took me back to when, when, when my, you know, our team at BU won and the feeling of scoring an overtime winning goal. And, and it brought me back to that moment. I mean, I, I haven't felt that 09 moment in such a real true fashion since I'm interviewing Rand Pecknold and he asks me for a hug because he's so overcome with emotion. So I gave him a hug, like a real hug. I didn't bro hug him. I gave him the full hug. Um, I gave him a, like a tight squeeze. He gave me a tight squeeze. You know, and my producer in my ear is like, okay, well, now you still got to ask him two more questions. <laughs> so, look, it was, a, it was an awesome moment. Um, honestly, I feel really grateful that that, that happened um, because it really, like, it found sort of an emotional side of sports that I, I just don't get to feel anymore that often. Um, and so it, it was really cool. Like, it really was. And... I made awful announcing and I, I wasn't even getting ripped. So like I, that's such a win. When do you ever make the, an article an awful announcing and not get ripped for it? Um, so it's a win, a lot of wins in that moment all around, but, but an awesome way to end the, the frozen four. I was one of like my second thoughts was literally like, I hope Chris doesn't see this because <laughs> I just feel like he's going to use this against me for the, till the end of time. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I just, I always, I never knew you were such a good hugger. That's all, and and now I know that you give them out for free. Uh, that's that's good to know. I'll be asking for hugs all the time, and I, I would encourage, you know, our Blackhawks Insider <laughs> Podcast audience to do the same. Free hugs, Colby Cohen. He's got them, got them stocked up. Um, I bet you give Derek King a hug if if he asks for one. Uh, you know, Definitely. I would, I would. Um, he's our our featured guest on this episode of Blackhawks Insider, and to just catch you up, Derek King is. Been in the Blackhawks organization since 2016. He was originally a coach and a head coach for the Rockford Ice Hogs and then became the interim head coach with the Blackhawks last season and stayed with the Blackhawks this year as 
one of the lead assistants on Luke Richardson's staff, focusing on the offense in particular. Um, you know, just just buckle up, right? I mean, you'll, we just we just throw King, you know, like a, a, a sauce pass and see where he takes it. It's a lot of fun talking to him, and and it's been really fun building on uh, the relationship that we started with him, Colby. Don't you think from from last season? Yeah, he he was. I mean, he was one of my favorite interviews that we got to do because uh, he's so genuine. There's yeah. no guard. There's no filter. There's no what's the right or wrong thing to say. You just get this genuine guy who loves hockey, uh, loves what he does, and just loves to shoot shoot the breeze. I mean, that's the reality, and that's really how this interview felt. I, I well, we have to get him back, um, you know, next season. And, you know, what a, what a gem of a human that, that he is. Like, we're very lucky to have a guy like him in our organization. He's got a great sense of humor, too. So without further ado, here is our conversation with Blackhawks assistant coach Derek King. Kinger, welcome to the Blackhawks Insider Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We, we really appreciate it. On a game day, no less, the team just wrapped up morning skate. Um, you know, but hey, look, we're, we're 80 games into the season right now, and the, the, the daily routine's pretty much set in stone. I mean, you can uh, you can handle these extra commitments like coming on yeah, a podcast every exactly. now Exactly. Right? We don't even have to go on the ice. They know every drill for the morning skates. We could probably just sit up in the stands and watch it. Whether they're gonna they're gonna screw it up when we're on the ice or we're we're not on the ice. So, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy, glad to be on it. Thanks for thinking about me, and uh, this is great. Well, Kinger, we've been trying to get you on this for two years. So this this is uh, you know you were you wow. were you were an A rated guest for us that we just kept hearing you were you were too busy, too much going on. Yeah, I'm you know the big I'm in the limelight. Here. You know, I got a lot going on my plate. You know, real busy. So. I'm knocking everything over, and I'm in Jimmy Waite's office, so it's a little quiet. I'm knocking everything over at his desk here. He's going to be sour at me, but no, yeah, yeah. It's, probably, it's probably super disorganized there, right on Jimmy Waite's desk, yeah. like all kinds of clutter and things. Yeah, <laughs> it's just it's a mess. He doesn't know all his goalie drills. He's got one goalie drill. That's all he has. So, well, Coach, uh, you know, to the to the point of practice and, and morning skates. You know, I I don't want to speak for Colby, but I know you're you're sometimes pretty distracting on the ice at morning skate. I mean, you scored over 260 goals in your career, and I see you pull the trigger from time to time uh, on the open net. There it looks like it looks like your shot's still in in, uh, in pretty good yeah, shape. I mean, it's got to be one of the benefits there. of being key, a coach, right? The key words there were open net. <laughs> I'm good at open net goals. It's these sticks, I'm telling you. Uh, these things are so – I'm like in a 75 flex. They just zip off the stick. So it's probably a little uh, – it's not quite – if I pulled out my old wood one, it wouldn't be going that quick. It would be slow. What did but, you uh, – well, now that you bring that up, when you when you were playing, Kinger, what was the what was your, your stick for oh, most of your NHL career? Was there one or were you constantly changing it up? No, I used uh, – I started with Titan. Because uh, I was waiting for my Victoriavilles to come in, and then I used Victoriaville the whole time. I just pulled one out. Uh, I had one in my place in Rockford, which we just sold. So I was cleaning it out yesterday, and I pulled out a old, brand new wooden Victoriaville. I'm gonna have to bring it in. I grabbed this I stick. See it. I grabbed it, and I'm like, I cannot believe I played with this <laughs> stick. There's no. It's like 
It's five pounds. It's all oh, it weighed a ton. I couldn't tell you my lie. I couldn't tell you the curves were whatever we wanted it because we could heat them up uh, with the blowtorch and, and bend them with our foot or in the door jam or what have you. So we always tweaked it a bit. But oh my god, it was so such an ugly. I'm gonna have to bring it in. Let you guys take a look at it. I feel like one of these like back in the twenties when somebody pulled an old stick out of their garage. That's what I feel like now when I pull mine out. It's so bad. Did did you did you ever did you ever go to the two piece or did you stay full no, one piece I tried, the entire I, career? I tried a two piece when uh, Easton came out with the shafts, and then you could get blades and that, but I, I couldn't I couldn't do it. So I went over to Europe, and that's where I played with Planner in Germany, and I was still using that was in nine uh, eleven, so that was oh oh one right. Uh, that's when I went over and I, I went over for a year and I came back, I signed with Detroit for, uh, Grand Rapids. That was the Reggie Dunlop job, player coach. <laughs> and when I went to camp and it was, I mean, they had, they had a, all hall of famers, you know, like it was crazy how many good players they had. And they laughed Brett Hall was laughing at me and goes, Kinger, you got to switch to these synergies. And I'm like, why? This is what everybody's using. So I, I tried them and then I finished with Synergy. And then I was retired. And then all of a sudden, the years and years later, they start coming out with all these different graphites and, and what have you. But yeah, I didn't start probably my last two years playing in the minors was uh, using those Synergies. And how advanced they are now compared to back then. I mean, I don't know what you when you came in the league. I don't know what they were. Yeah. You know, I'm not it, sure. I can tell you what I remember most vividly about the old original Synergy stick because I recently acquired the generate first generation silver Easton stick, like the one that was the yeah. first one. Four hundred and twenty-five grams is how much that yeah. stick weighed, and now the sticks are oh, they're nothing. A, a third of that. Yeah, and they so were, we're square. Oh yeah, this yeah, is shaft. Like a, this is a square shaft, mm -hmm. and. I mean, I I used it when we filmed a little the on ice stuff with Jack Johnson and um, Peter Morazic. And the minute I got on the ice, the first thing Jack Johnson noticed was the old school Synergy stick. And people reached out to me on Twitter that yeah. saw the feature running on the post or on the pregame show, asking <laughs> where I got that. Because even that is like, I mean, I was probably thirteen or fourteen when those things came out. Yeah, um, and and that was a that was a big deal. But you must you must have to purchase some sticks now, Kinger. You got a couple of boys who are playing oh, hockey, yeah. so I I assume oh, yeah. you guys are, are oh, cutting it's... cutting checks to the pro shops left <laughs> and right. They, and it's a good thing we get deals through, you know, CCM or Bauer and that, so we get a little bit of a discount, but, and it's gotta be, I keep telling them, listen, it's the same stick that you used last year. They just changed the colors on it and they put a different, maybe name on it or something, the Synergy 3000, right? And and they just, they don't, they argue with me. No, I've got to have the, I'm like, all right. <laughs> It's the same exact same stick. So my garage is filled with like, I probably got about 20 grand worth of hockey sticks in my garage. <laughs> it's just, it's crazy. But uh, yeah, that, you know, it's a good thing. We get a little perks from playing or coaching. So it helps a little bit. I can't imagine uh, a normal parent that's, you know, doesn't get the, the perks I get uh, has to pay full price for everything because it can be expensive. Well, uh, I mean, do you have a blowtorch on hand just in case? Uh, no, yeah, I might have. 
They're he they yeah, they're lefties, so they might have to use that old Vic one day. <laughs> so you would you would you were basically putting your own flex in your stick then, right? With with using the, the blowtorch to kind of mold it. Is that well I just mold the curve, but the the flex was I don't even know what it was. I don't even think we had a flex. Senior. No, it yeah, would just be was, senior, intermediate, or, or junior. Yeah, it would be like I I'll bring it in one day next year, I'll bring it in and uh We'll try to figure out what 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 do we think the flex is. Even we might not be able to bend the shaft. Could be like a hundred and something, right? <laughs> well, with okay, so with the curve with the curve of the blade, I mean, you were, guys would get, you know, you couldn't have too much of a curve in the blade. But it wasn't it only in like the final five minutes of a game when when the when the officials would really call it. Yeah, if somebody wanted to call, so you had to your trainer would add these. Uh, it's like a measurement thing, and they'd put it up, and they would measure your curve to make sure. And you'd always have one on the on the bench. You'd have say three sticks on the bench, and one of them was uh, like like you said, like for the last five minutes of the game, so just in case you're going to get called on your curve. But I never used a big toe curve. I used like an upshoot, a little heel curve. So, but you could really bend it. It was kind of the lazy man's curve. You could just shoot pucks and just come <laughs> off it. But uh, yeah, well, last... you, did, you did that pretty well. So it must have, there must have be some method to your madness. Uh, yeah, in a forty goal season in the NHL. I yeah. mean, that's not a mistake. Yeah, sometimes you get lucky. That's all. So where where was your spot on the net when you when you were coming down uh, in a breakaway? I mean, were you were you shooting for the corners? Were you going five hole? You know, and, and I mean. You know, would you see the goalie or would you see the back of the net kind of visually? What was, I was, your, what was your approach? I I never really thought about it. Uh, just when you, you kind of pick what you had. But I was I was a big five-hole shooter. I used to always, like, drop the shoulder a little fake, get a move, and then I would throw it five-hole. Um, a little different now with goalies. They're, they're so, you know, technically sound. Back then it was, you know. Uh, guys, they weren't butterflying as much when I first started. Near the end, they were all, you know, Patrick Waz and Brodeurs were starting to butterfly and flop and whatever. These guys were just, they'd hold their ground. So you could actually get away with some shots on the ice and uh, far side and on the ice and score a goal. So um, so I was, I would probably say mostly uh, like a five-hole shooter I was. But, you know, a lot of my goals too was hanging around the net and tapping, tapping them in, you know, I had great players to play with and picking up rebounds and stuffing them in and what have you. But I always, coach always told me the puck's got to get to the front of the net somewhere, somehow. So why not stand there? So that's what I did. Well, and and I think that that sort of gives you a lot of credibility with the players. I think last year when you became the interim head coach of the team, one of the first things Patrick Kane talked about was was your numbers and your success as an NHLer. I mean, that's what guys do now. They go right to hockey DVD. Yeah. They want to see what a guy <laughs> exactly. did. Um, so so you've got the Hall of Famer, the first ballot Hall of Famer, Patrick Kane's respect, and this guy could play. But mm-hmm. I'm not really concerned with that. I want to know at home, you've got your boys, you got the twins, you got your older son. They all play hockey. One's a pro in the in the East Coast League. I know he's had some minor league success. What about the younger? What about the twins? Like, do they realize that you were this, you know, high-end NHL player who who scored forty goals and who put up a lot of points in over a really long career? And I know you're humble, and I know you're not ever gonna gonna <laughs> toot your own horn. So we'll do it for you. But do they ever look and or, or you? You're just you couldn't be less cool to them. They couldn't care yeah, less. Yeah, they couldn't care less. 
the twins for sure. They, they, they're just, you know, dad, I would come home and they'd be, Hey dad, how you doing? Boom. And they go do their thing off with their buddies or I'm the one that drives them to the rink and sits up in the stand and watches. That's how they see it. They are, uh, the older one, you know, he gets it obviously. He'd be like, oh, my God, Dad, you, you, you're the head coach of the Chicago Blackhawks. What's going on? <laughs> I'm <just> like, <laughs> I, for me, I'm just like, yeah, well, we'll see what happens. And he's excited. The other two are just like, when are you coming home? You know, or, or are you going to bring – I need some white tape or I need laces or what have you. <laughs> they didn't quite – they got a big – you know what they did? They got a big, a big kick because all their friends would send them uh, – stuff on instagram when it was uh the ted lasso pictures or oh, the, the walter uh, white the, the walter white they thought that, that was, was the, i mean funny. did and you bar i think it was barstool had a t-shirt made so they wanted one they purchased it uh with my face with the crowd yeah. and i'm like where do you find this stuff they were but that stuff was that to them was yeah the, it wasn't the fact that i was behind the bench or i was the coach for a while there of an, ori- was, of an original yeah, six NHL it was, team. It was, like, it was, it was the t-shirt with the crown yeah. and my mug on well, it. They thought that was well, funny. Chris, I don't, I know that you, you did a number of games last year and you were kind of in and out, but I, I do remember I'm doing a game between the benches last year and they are doing the lookalike thing on the jumbotron, which like I've gotten thrown on before. I think you've probably gotten thrown on before Chris, but like, this is early in Kinger's tenure coaching, maybe three weeks in or so four weeks in they've got Walter white. And then they, they show Kinger while he's coaching. <laughs> <laughs> that's the stuff they got a big kick out of all that had nothing to do with the game or anything or win column or loss columns. It was crazy. But, uh, you know, Colby I, it, got, it, uh, yeah, Colby, Colby got comp to Vince Vaughn Kinger. Uh, yeah. which I, I think that's, I I think that's that. a pretty good. Yeah. I, think I was happy with it. I was it. happy with it. Take it and run. Take that's it right. And run with it. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but no, it was good. It was exciting time. You know, it was, um, it was all new to me. It was, uh, you know, obviously, uh, um, an honor to do it. And I, I think we enjoyed it as a family. Uh, I don't think we got to enjoy the full uh, scope of it. Uh, just them happened to stay in Rockford and me in the city kind of thing. But uh, yeah, it was cool. I was, I was cool there for a while. Now I'm back to my own, just a dad. Well, how, how about this season on the ice? Look, I mean, you know, everyone knew that it, it was not going to be a playoff season for the Hawks going yep. in. But, um, you know, from my perspective, I, I just think you and, and Luke and the entire coaching staff have done such a great job fostering a, a community feel in the locker room. It seems like the guys enjoy being with each other, uh, yeah. even though there haven't been as many wins as anyone would like. Um, but what, what, is, what has this season been like for you, and especially in, in terms of, you know, the offense? You're, you work with the forwards yeah. first and foremost. Um, who have you been pleased to work with this year, and who do you think has kind of made a jump in, in his game? Well, you know what? I think if we go back from last year, the one thing I missed out on or missed doing was working with players individually, and maybe that was my mistake. But coming into this year, um, I just was uh, looking forward to working with all the Fords and, and trying to help them. Uh, become better players and, and what have you on the ice. So I've, I've really enjoyed that. Um, guys that have made some strides, like I thought, I mean, 
from the days of Rockford when we when we had Hagel, I thought he made some big strides, and obviously we he uh, he's turned himself into a pretty full time NHLer. Um, Reese Johnson too last year was a made some big strides. Another player I had, I think Ant Whistle's starting to make some strides a little bit, but you know what? I, I really enjoyed seeing Reichel come up and be so much better than he was the year before. Um, just the way he approached the game, uh, the battle level, going to the gray areas a lot more. He's still got some stuff to learn. As we, as you know, as we, players, you always try to learn something. Um, but just, it was just a joy. Lafferty, too. I enjoyed having Lafferty. I thought he made some huge strides, too, from the one year to the next year. Um, and obviously, it's all the guys I'm talking about. They're all gone. Like, most of them are all gone, right? So it's it's getting to know. And, and this year is being... Uh, injuries, and then we had uh, Phillips up, Gus up, uh, Cini up, and then Reichel. And then, you you know, I don't work with the D so much, but it's good to see some of those Rockford guys come up and you get a chance to work with them. And some of them I haven't worked with. And just the, how good they approach the game and what a good job Anders and his staff have done down there. Because when they stepped in, as you know, when you watch the games, these guys contributed yeah. and, they, and they fit in right away. So there, there was there was no drop off. Yeah. I literally was just gonna say. I yeah. think I think a lot of that has to do with your relationship with Anders, Luke's yep. collaborative coaching style. Yep. Because I I will say every guy who came up, players that were career American League players that got yep. opportunity this year, they came up to the NHL and they did not look out of place. They understood the no. system. They understood positionally where to be mm-hmm. and. Obviously, Anders, that he gets a lot of credit, him and his staff. But I think, you know, I've been in situations before, Kinger, where the AHL and the NHL, they were all shaking their heads at each other, the coaching yeah. staffs. They, yeah, weren't, they, they weren't. They don't know sympatico. what they're talking about. Yeah. Exactly. One thought the other was, was, was an idiot, right? Yeah. But here, you guys have this relationship, even going back to last year. I mean, you and I are on the golf course together in the preseason yeah. before. You're still the head coach in the American League at the time, but – that that cohesiveness between you and management and the staff at the time, then that continued when you took over. Then you're now, you know, our, the assistant coach. And I see you working with guys on the bench and I see you pulling the iPad out and talking to guys. But like, that's not always the case. And I, I want our fans to, to kind of understand that, yeah. that you sometimes get into situations. I mean, look at the Chicago Wolves. They just announced that they're independent next year. Yeah. They're not even going to have an NHL team that they're partnered with because they don't want to deal with that type of development path. So what you guys have done here has, has been, has been enjoyable to see and really important because we've got all these young players coming over the next number of years and, and they're all going to probably go through Rockford and, and Mm -hmm. the cohesiveness there, it just is so important. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you. And, And I think that especially with our type of team where, we do have, I mean, we got some guys that have been in the league, but they two or three years, but they haven't really established themselves as, you know, that next level of player. So it's good to see those guys come in, even some of the trades, like, you know, even double uh, A there, uh, Fantasio and then Dickinson. And these guys like coming in here, like they've had years where they've did well, but now, you know, they've had opportunity and it's nice to see those guys take advantage of that opportunity. You know, some guys, you know, they get traded and they go to a weaker team and they don't take advantage of that. So these guys have, and, and it's, um, you know, I, 
not a toot our horn, but I think our staff has done a pretty good job. And Luke, obviously, uh, making sure that we're all positive and and uh, we're all on the same page. And there's no point of freaking out or losing it. And hey, do you get angry at some of the plays they make? Sure, they did. But you got to remember, as player, you you did the same thing. So how would you like to? Uh, the response you would give them is how how did you want to hear it? Did you want to hear? Al Arbor screaming in your ear and telling you to go undo your skates and go sit at the corner of the bench? Or did you want to be, you know, obviously the technology here with the iPads and the whiteboards, you, you, you know, wait for them to get their heart rate down. And then you talk to them like, Hey, Hey, seriously, if they're, if they're going to make it four or five times in a row after you talk to them, you might have to sit them down for a little bit. But for the most part, our guys, uh, I will say like maybe on one hand, I could count the times where we just were that, we're not very good competing and just nothing working right. For the most part this year, I think we've competed every night. We're in every game for there. You know, it's that two periods of we're in it and then there's that little drop off and one of the periods where that just kills us, especially against teams that, you know, there's a, no sure code it. There's a lot of teams out there with some really good high-end players. We don't have that right now. So, But I, I will say uh, we are competing and we do try. Kinger, you mentioned Brandon Hagel, uh, a guy that that you saw turn into uh, an established NHLer from you know your time with him in Rockford and then to the Blackhawks. He, of course, gets traded to the Tampa Bay Lightning, and you know the two players in return, Taylor Radish and Boris Kachuk, I think have both taken big steps this season yep. on NHL ice, and and in particular for Taylor Radish, getting to that twenty goal marker this season. Um, you know, is that is that an important plateau to hit for a goal scorer? You know, getting, oh, getting a sure. 20 goal season under your belt, and do you think he can really? Is that going to boost his confidence a lot going into the yeah, off season? I I hope it does. Um, it's a huge uh, accomplishment for him, and not that I wasn't thinking of those guys earlier, but um, you know, like with uh, with guys like that, I will say those two took advantage of the situation they're in right now. Um, you know, you put those two players on a, a high-end team, uh, contending team, you, they might not see the ice as much as they do with the situation we're in here. So the hats off to those guys for seeing that and taking advantage of it because they could easily just be like, ah, get through the season and, and what have you, but they didn't. They, uh, they've worked hard for what they've gotten. Uh, they get an ch- opportunity to play, uh, you know, especially with Rads playing with some good hockey players. Uh, line mates and then even uh i think boris too this year um establishing himself with that line with uh jj and and then uh joey anderson that's been a solid line for us and they've they've embraced it they get their ice time they're it's a little bit of power play time and and uh it's it's fun to watch the have success yeah well look kinger i i this is really going to be the last one for me and and it's more you know, I, I hear you talk about, well, how would I wanted to hear that as a, as a former player? And I think our whole staff has that filter. And I think mm-hmm. that that's cool because I, I've played for a lot of former players yeah. that really forget what it's like to turn a puck over, yeah. what it's like to miss a defensive coverage, you know. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, I think especially with the modern day human being I think it's so important to to have that that lens when you're kind of dealing with things and and I think 
that's only going to help us as we continue to grow through this rebuild. And then we, we start to look towards contending in the future. But I think one of the most enjoyable things has been, you know, the way you've always dealt with the media, you know, when you were the head coach, obviously now you're not doing as much media stuff, but you come on here with us. You're so relaxed. I mean, it's just, it's like we're, we're drinking a beer and we're just kind of shooting the breeze about hockey, talking about your old sticks and whatnot. So (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's that's been, you know, look, you were the same guy on the golf course last year when we golfed together before the, the season started that you are as the head coach of the Blackhawks. And, and I just, you know, I want to I want to like you'll never talk about it and you'll never take credit for it. But I'll, I'm going to do it for you since I, I just <laughs> it's been awesome. And, and I've yeah. appreciated it so much. No, I, It's been great, especially when we first met golf course until even all last year. All the media, all he is, were great to me. I never had a problem. It wasn't like, oh, I got to go talk to these guys. They're, what are they going to say next? It was, you bad guys, shrimp. yeah, this bad shrimp. That's all. But no, I, you guys were great. Uh, you, you never hit me with anything I didn't, you know, wasn't prepared for or anything like that. So uh, hats off to you guys also. Well, uh, Kinger, I can't let you go without asking you just one quick follow-up on your on your Reggie Dunlop experience as player coach with the Grand Rapids Griffins. <laughs> I did not know that. And time, you know, really, really big in my, Which in was my development. So unbel- I, get that I can't record. believe you never watched that show. Oh, man. Welcome a, to the universe, Chris. That's another chat. That, uh, that's definitely <laughs> another chat. But hey, be happy that I got the reference now. So yeah, I mean, you were really a player. You were really a player coach. Player coach. If I wasn't playing or in and out or I got actually got hurt that year. So I was out a little bit. So I was behind the bench coaching and, and kind of learning the the trade and uh so it was it was different guys used to call me reggie they used to call me reggie once in a while but uh no it was a good experience it was more it was a little chris just just to give you a little context like i i I turned pro after my junior year so that was like 2010 there were still some east coast league teams at the time that had some player coaches yeah it was kind of the end of that, though. I think probably from like 95 to like 2008, it started to trickle from the American League to the East Coast League. But it, it did happen. And it happens in Europe, I think, still with guys who are yep. sort of these legendary long-term players in these mm-hmm. leagues. So, so it, does, it does happen, Chris. But the American League has become a very professionally run yeah. business that it, it – it, necessarily it wasn't back in the early oos right kinger no i mean exactly. if i remember it right yeah it was uh you only had a few uh prospects on your team the rest were just all vets that's how it was so there was there and because what you said about the wolves that's how they that's how i always operated when it was the ihl and the american league they only had a few guys from a, a franchise uh, prospect players but they would play there and they would pay their uh, their veteran guys good and they always had good teams that competed or if not they won it a lot so I think that's what he's getting to I think he's tired of uh, babysitting he wants to get those cups back in the Chicago area so you, did you have a Hanson line or anything like that? No, I just <laughs> no, I stayed away from that stuff. But uh, it's such a great Kinger movie. was a goal scorer. Yeah, oh yeah, but it was it was a lot of fun. It was a good way to, you know, I still felt like I could play at that level. 
And then I uh, got to learn a little bit about the coaching side of it. So that's why when I got into it, uh, the job wasn't there for me after I retired, a management change and everything. So they went a different direction. So then I finally got the chance with the Marlies in 09 uh, with a good friend of mine asked me to come along uh, and help him out. Uh, but when I got that job, after I started, I was just like, and I've probably said it to Cole, but I said, probably said it to you before. I was going to call every coach I had and apologize to him because I must have drove those guys crazy. <laughs> I'm, I'm still working on my apology tour right now. I mean, some of them have passed away, passed on since, so I can't do it now. But yeah, I must have drove them nuts. But, uh, you know, this is the kind of way I approach it. I, I know I made mistakes. I know I did a lot of stupid things when I was playing. So trying to help these guys not make the same mistakes I did. Well, to echo what Colby said, it, it, it's been great getting to know you and, and thank you for uh, imparting the, the pearls and pieces of wisdom that you do in the <laughs> in the hallway after morning skate or anything like that so um and thanks a lot for coming on our podcast today we appreciate it and uh we'll we'll eagerly look forward uh, uh your return and and uh, get into some more uh, more discussions yeah. on on slap shot and other things for sure well i appreciate you guys having me and let's do it again i enjoyed it yeah, I definitely look forward to having Derek King back for future conversations. And, you know, we could have a – it sounds like we could have a Slapshot special episode with, with just Kinger. And uh, I think that would be that would be gold as well. <laughs> I think Kinger needs to become a host of the podcast. Maybe yeah. speci- Maybe we got to have him special guest host an episode next year. Um, I know, like, our schedules are always – you know, I missed a couple episodes and, and missed you guys – um, I know, you know, Kaylee had something going on today. You've So maybe Kinger's our, our guest host option next season because he's just, I mean, he's awesome, right? He's just, so, he's so great. The plug and play, the plug and play uh, co-host when, when we need a, a, a pinch hitter. Yeah, I, I think, I think you're onto something there for sure. Let's get into sellies and chirps now. Um, and, and I, you know, just, I, I think, Derek King would be would be great on sellies and chirps in, in the future as well, but chirps probably chirps for sure, chirps for sure. Um, I want to sell your chirp hot pockets, and the context behind that, uh, you know, we can we can obviously chirp the food, sell your sell your. I don't mean to you know sell your chirp. Should you like I pull it up while you're talking? Time. Should I try to pull up the post and and show it on the screen while you're talking? Yeah, okay, yeah. Let's, I'll, let's, I'll I'll look for it. Let's do that because uh, first of all. So during so the Blackhawks are are playing a game. I'm I'm on the air while Colby is is doing the Michigan uh, Frozen Four game, um, the Michigan Quinnipiac game in the in the Frozen Four. And I get a text from a buddy of mine who's a Michigan alum, and it just said like the caption of the it, it's a picture, and the caption is just LOL Colby, and it's that picture right there of a fan on the with his face on the glass right behind Colby when he's doing his his on air one of his on air hits and it the what was crazy about it is that it was just the picture and then after the game i see it on instagram and it's been turned into a meme by spitting chicklets with the caption being you know me with the hot pockets in the microwave at like 3 a.m. So, gotta say it was it was a it was a pretty it was a pretty great meme. Um, you know, Colby had a had a 
a priceless look on his face. And then, you know, I wasn't sure at first, like, was the fan actually putting his face up against the glass like that? Or was it edited? So he was actually doing that. He he was doing it. um, The producer let me know because he wanted me to shift over a little bit. Um, but I shifted, he, he said shift left, but I didn't realize like my left or his left. So I shifted the wrong way. And if anything, I gave him even more room <laughs> over my shoulder to, so for the, for the championship game though, I made friends with the people sitting behind me. I got them an official game puck. And I said, anytime I put my thumb up behind my back, I'm on camera. Please do not do anything to make me look stupid. <laughs> so I like got in front of it. Well, it definitely didn't make you look stupid. I mean, it was just a it was just a hilarious TV moment that fortunately carried over to the interweb world. Um, but you know, sellies are chirps for hot pockets. I mean, I'm going to just in light of of the of the meme involving my guy Colby. I'm going to celebrate hot pockets. I think they're great. You know, it, it can be a a high risk high reward proposition. I mean, I think the problem with Hot Pockets is that you either cook them to the point where they are so incredibly hot that you scald the inside of your mouth or you don't cook it enough and you get like a frozen pocket in the middle instead. So it's kind of hard to snipe Hot Pockets in terms of cooking them the right way, but I'm down for a good pepperoni Hot Pocket. I mean, you know, especially at three in the morning and I mean, who's to say? I've probably been the guy in the microwave, you know, especially once upon a time, like just waiting on that timer to go off uh, in the middle of the night. So what about you? What are you, are you a Hot Pockets guy? You've been thinking about Hot Pockets in a new way since you went viral. So I'll celebrate with you on this one because I got a number of messages from my former teammates and, and classmates in college. Like this was literally our life in college in our in our dorm rooms or our apartments and so i'll celebrate it on top of it i don't know if it was after the thursday night doubleheader one of the nights in tampa we came back to our hotel it was myself my uh barry butchie our producer uh like the whole group you know we had all gone out had a couple of beers um you know i think it might have been after the doubleheader and Sure enough, we're all looking for hot food. And it's like, you know, two o'clock in the morning and in the lobby, hot pockets. Unbelievable. So we actually all were, were grabbing the hot pockets, took them all up to our room. And then the next morning, everyone was like, oh, shouldn't have had that hot pocket. You called it high risk, high reward. The, 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 the high risk of it is how you feel the next day after eating a hot pocket at two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> that, that to me is, is the risk, but we've all been there. I'd be lying if I said I didn't, it's all, it's all fun in games. I mean, the, the people that do that are creative. I ended up doing spit and chicklets podcast a couple days later. So with Colby nice. Armstrong and, and Matt Murley. So we, we got to kind of shoot the breeze and, and build off that a little bit. So funny moments, no doubt between, between the hug and between the hot pocket meme. I mean, there's really nowhere to go. No, can't go any higher up, Chris. So I can only imagine what's going to be, what's the fall going to be. 
Yeah. Well, it sounds like, you know, maybe the, the fall for you was your, was your return from, uh, the next from Tampa. Yeah. Your, your airport experience. Oh yeah. Oh, well that, that teased me up. Um, and it was actually, so I, I, so I'm lived in Chicago now for two years. Um, you know, a lot of our travel, my travel has been with the team. So, you know, I haven't spent a ton, a ton of time at, at any of the airports, done a lot of airport pickups, but I mean, O'Hare versus Midway. I, 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 I gotta say, um, I really struggle with O'Hare airport right now. I, I, I got delayed for about six hours on my way to Tampa in O'Hare airport. I was at a terminal where the ceiling was so low. I honestly basically had to crouch to walk through <laughs> this terminal. I mean, it was way out there. Some of the vendors I feel like were from 1971, um, there was like a little a restaurant that had a bunch of Blackhawks, uh, like jerseys and things in it. And literally the jerseys that they had, like I saw like Victor Stahlberg's jersey. And like, I mean, just like, I'm like, this is as out of date as the terminal. And I'm sitting there wondering myself <laughs> as I land in Tampa, which has this beautiful, nice airport. I'm like, this is Chicago. This is literally one of the biggest metropolitan cities in the world. I'm like, how is O'Hare not refurbished or polished or, you know, and now I'm starting to think I might have to start becoming a Midway person and, and getting those flights out of Midway. I saw Cappy. He told me I flew out of Midway and didn't have any problems. So I guess my cellular chirp is like, what is up with O'Hare? I mean, like, like that needs to be addressed. It, 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 this city is too great to have o'hare being such a stain yeah look i mean i so i'm chirping it if there's any if there's any question i'm i'm chirping it um i i will look like o'hare definitely um has has got issues and i agree with you that it's very dated um you know, even even the bathrooms, like, and maybe in particular, you know, the the bathrooms are are really lacking. I think, um, and and it it's again, as you said, the contrast is most stark when you see a modern airport like Tampa, uh, like Dallas, even some other Midwest airports yeah. like Detroit or Minneapolis are just light years ahead of O'Hare in totally. terms of recent renovations um not to mention the fact that it's really really expensive to park there it's expensive to take an uber out there um you know i, I just want to caution you before you run like to midway midway is fine um it, it's it is harder for pickups than o'hare like it is hard for pickups i've done it it's a pain I, I, I have picked up plenty of people from Midway and I'm not kidding. Like every time I make a wrong turn somewhere or yeah. like go off on a wrong ramp and yep. end up with departures when I'm supposed to be at arrivals or, or I've been there like, too. Totally. So get it. Midway, Midway is tough, man. Um, so we're over two more expensive too. We're, yeah. we're over two and Midway is pretty heavy on Southwest. I think like that's kind of their yes. thing. Um, you know, so, so if you're a Southwest guy, then Midway for sure. Although Midway does have flights out of O'Hare now, but you mean Southwest? Yeah. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Southwest has flights out of 
typically Midway, but now O'Hare at, at Terminal 5. Um, however, I, I did just want to say, Colby, that there there are there is a big construction plan that is in the works for O'Hare. So things Now, are they going to be... do that be- before or after they give us the four hours of traffic we now have to sit on to get to O'Hare or to get home from O'Hare because they've narrowed the highway down to two lanes? Yeah, I think I think there will probably be some overlap there. But, I mean, this is like – I think this O'Hare thing, this is still a, a little bit of a ways out. Like, they're saying that I think completion won't be until 2028. Um, so this is like a long-term refurbishment plan for O'Hare. So, you know, I guess we'll just have to, we'll just have to make sure that we, (laughs) we stick around long enough to see this. We we are going to have to revisit this once a year and we'll do a little progress report once a year. Um, eight and a half billion dollar revamp though. Okay. According to, according to CNN. So no shortage of, no shortage of funds are being, deployed here uh <laughs> that's let's a just lot hope of, that that's a lot of billions yeah it's a lot it's that is a lot of billions i mean so. look i mean and, and i didn't even bring this up it, they don't even have tsa pre-check in all the terminals like yeah. I, I i again o'hare airport chicago this should be this should be an afterthought yeah i had to sign up for clear because they didn't have they didn't have <laughs> TSA pre I'm like, what am I buying TSA pre for? You guys don't even offer that service in some of these terminals. Like it was just, it was a, it was a a really rough experience because of the terminal I was in. They got those old drop down ceilings. I mean, it it just was, you know, I'm like looking for something to eat. The lounges are seven terminals away. You would have probably enjoyed filming me through this grumpy few hours of my life. My, my last comment is, Oh, like the peril of O'Hare is actually mitigated by living in Chicago. Like the people who have the worst experiences at O'Hare, it's usually involving like a connection. Um, that's where people like can really get caught. So fortunately living in Chicago, okay. It's a, it's a, either a starting point or a final destination that I think helps it a little bit, but still every time flights, lots of direct flights. But every time I go to O'Hare, I'm just like, Okay, is this the time where I just get screwed by, you know, a four hour wait in security or, you know, is this just going to be the time that that I get my bad O'Hare experience? So you're always like looking over your shoulder, but I feel you, man. I feel you. Um, The Sellies and Chirps continues on the Blackhawks Insider podcast. That was a good one, man. That was uh, got some travel in there. Yeah, real life. Yeah, hot pockets. That was uh, that was good. Um, We're we're winding down here to the to the end of the season, which is hard to believe. Uh, The final week of the regular season. In fact, of course, it's it's going to be a big off season for the Blackhawks with the draft lottery coming up on May eighth, and then of course the the draft itself at the end of June, but we want to thank you for tuning in to Blackhawks Insider Podcast week in and week out. Our off-season schedule is still being formulated as we speak. Uh, we might do some special episodes with some of the big off-season events. Uh, we might do bi-weekly. We might just, you know, pack up the caravan and and talk to you in September when training camp starts again. But either way, uh, for 
my co-hosts, Colby Cohen, and our producers, Jenna Rose and Trevor Bray, and our DJs, Brad Dollar and Southside Jake. Thanks once again for tuning in to this episode of Blackhawks Insider. Our thanks as well to ChevyDriveChicago.com, drive what Captain Jonathan Taves drives. And thanks, of course, to you, our listeners. And regardless of Blackhawks Insider over the summer, more content is available all off-season long at Blackhawks.com. So enjoy the rest of the regular season, everybody, and we will talk to you next time on Blackhawks Insider.